Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Matt. Welcome to Roleplay Chat. We are two game masters who can't stop talking about role-playing games. And today we talk about the famous railroad versus sandbox dichotomy. And as always, we're going to try and focus in on the role-playing aspects so that we can get better at roleplay together. But first, before going on this road, on this railroad, <laughs> uh, let's, uh, let's see what have you been doing, Matt, uh, in terms of uh, games lately. Yeah, it's been pretty quiet. I haven't been been playing too many role-playing games, to, to be quite honest. We've been involved in your game, Chris, and I've been playing a lot of video games, actually. Um, still playing lots of Overwatch whenever I get the chance. I, I, gotta, I think I have something like 400 hours clocked into that game at this point. It's uh, Probably more than that. Yeah. I'm sure you have way more than that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, not not too much of a, a role play update for you. How about yourself? Well, if you talk about games, I've been playing a lot of Warhammer Total War, uh, two games, so probably also more than four hundred hours. Uh, not lately, though. Uh, I, uh, in terms of games, I've been planning my brother's comeback, like the season two of his games, and trying to figure out where what, what theme I'm using and what mechanic I'm going to add in terms of managing resources for their, their city. So a lot of little things, and I've been reading a lot of uh, modules to get inspiration. Cool. Um, cool. Yeah. I actually, now that you talk about modules and stuff, I, I completely forgot about, I was unpacking, we, we just moved, and I was unpacking my boxes of stuff, and I found a, it was a solo RPG game, like a paper pen and paper role playing game, that I uh, my parents bought me a couple years ago, and I picked it up and I started reading through it again. It was it was kind of neat. It it was a different perspective on on role playing games. I, I don't want to get too much into it, but um, it's this little independent publisher, I think in the UK, and it's called uh, the game is called The Artifact, hmm. uh, and it was it's kind of cool. You it's like a narrative exercise and you you are a weapon like a rare weapon and <laughs> you you're you're answering questions about like different owners who've who've come into possession of you as a weapon and the like the wow. adventures they take you on and then maybe that that owner dies and leaves you in a cave for 50 years and oh oh someone comes and discovers you and and it kind of it's a fun uh, exercise to go through. You can make it as complicated or as simple as you want. Um, is it like uh, those those books that are like uh, how do you say like tell you tell your story? It's like it's a, it's a book that you have to make choices and they say like go to number twenty seven and uh, a story. Not, um, what is it? A story that you're the hero or something like that, right? Well, no, it's it's not really. It, so I know what you're talking about like a choose your own adventure type of. Uh, type of game, but th this is it's it's like probably ten pages long. Uh, it's oh. just like it outlines the structure of the game and says like you know you're a weapon. Here are the types of questions you might ask yourself during the different ages that you go through and and uh, have a pen and paper and just write stuff down. Uh, it, it's it's kind of neat and it made me think about like how to integrate that into an actual game, right? Like if you if you run that exercise and you come up with a really cool artifact, 
well, now you have the backstory of a really cool artifact that you can just toss into just about any uh, any adventure, right? It's uh, kind of cool. Nice, nice. Yeah, and I mean, it it makes me think of like I said, the story that you're on the you are the hero of the story. That those books that if we go back to the theme of today, the sandbox versus railroad, I think this is the perfect example of what railroading is mm -hmm. in terms of you have. The, the 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 impact of your dis, your decisions are already established, and you just go through the story. Look at you with a really good segue to bring us. I know, part. right? I tried. Try, <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> um, so, so yeah, so let's uh, let's get into the meat of the subject. Um, I, I know last was it last week? Maybe a couple of days ago, even I ran a, a poll on Twitter talking about sandbox and railroading and, and asking the community where do you see yourself on this spectrum of being very sandbox versus being excuse me versus being very railroad and it, it, it got i don't want to say mixed results i i think people gravitate towards sandbox games because of the negative connotation that there is with railroad so the result was overwhelmingly towards sandbox but um, maybe i'm getting ahead of myself so this kind of spurred this conversation right got, got us talking a little bit yeah and and i think what needs to be said maybe it's a good time to say it right now is like it it feels like people that are using those terms that it's it's not clear exactly what it means, people that are just hearing it, they're like, okay, railroad is one road and we're going and, and we have a direction. Sandbox is, oh, I can do whatever I want. So it sounds like Sandbox is, is, has the upper hand, but often the people that are going to argue railroad is the best are going to be the one who are going to actually define what they mean. Does that make sense? Like they, mm -hmm. they're going to argue the meaning of the words. Um, so I guess I guess we're gonna do the same today, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> where we're gonna explore the subject. It's a good starting point, anyway, right? It's uh, mm -hmm. so that we're all on the same page. So let's. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll toss the question to you, Chris. What What do you think, or what is your definition of? Let's start with sandbox. Yeah, for me, for for me, when I think of sandbox, I, it's not gonna be a definition like a nice, quick sentence. We'll go into that a little bit later. But for me, a sandbox is about exploring the world is the quest is just a, a a world that is there for the taking and you move through it as as you want where for me railroad is more it's i, I would i don't like the, the terms railroad I, I prefer plot driven it's the plot that drives what's going on so the the mm -hmm. game master comes up with an event a plot and then the story unfolds with the players reacting to that plot. Um, so that that's that's where I'm at in terms of thinking about it. Would you say it's similar to yours, or how is it different? Yeah, it's it's similar. I mean, at the very extreme, you've got I, I think for sandbox, I, I picture it almost like the players are acting, but the world just really doesn't matter if they're in it or not they're just exploring they're going from point a to point b and and it, it, it's close to a simulation but but different um but but i i have a hard time finding purpose 
in a sandbox game. I think maybe that's my own personal perspective, but to me it's, it's very much this playground that the players can mess around in, but it lacks this main direction. Whereas the, the, the railroad, if I look at it as an extreme as well, I picture the railroad as very much this linear path on rails. Like if you think of those old school arcade uh, games where you're shooting at zombies or you're, you're, you know, like with the little fake pistols and you're shooting at the screen and it just pushes you in a direction whether you've finished shooting at everybody or not. And that's, that's kind of how I picture the, 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 ex the, the, the vast extreme of the railroad. Um, again, it's not pretty, so that's why we went and found uh, pretty definitions for you guys. Chris, do you want to yeah. take us away? Yeah, sure. We, we, we could have come up with our own, but doing the research, we found one that were satisfying to us and was kind of interesting. So Think DM, uh, there's a blog, Think DM, uh, says the, the railroad is a pejorative term that insinuates the DM has sacrificed player agency to push the party through their own desired narrative. I think that's what usually so so thing dm really went with like showing the negative on both because and, and i think it's a good idea because uh at an at an extreme both are i think a bad idea mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and then the sandbox definition is uh that, that think dm has provided is the sandbox is a game where the story is hostage to the unchecked whims of the player character yeah, and I, I think there there would be a, an alternate maybe here uh, where it's a sandbox is where the game master does not provide directions, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. but but provides opportunities. Uh, so here it's really like oh the the player take the control and they they can do anything. But the problems often with the sandbox is not that the problem is that because there's no direction, the players don't know what to do. Yeah, yeah. So, so now that we have those definitions, I think we're going to go back to our usual format where, you know, Chris and I are just going to have a candid conversation about railroad, about sandbox, about the, the spectrum that these things live on. Um, and, and I guess a first good place to start, Chris, would be to ask you what your preference is when you're a player and also what do you consider your style to be when you're a game master? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think, I think every game master need to ask themselves that question, right? I think I think the first thing I, I have to say at this point is that for me, this is really, and I think we kind of hinted to it, it's a spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I, and I know you agree with, with this, uh, the fact that the railroad is one end, the sandbox is at the other end. And so for me, it's more like give it a percentage. Uh, and the thing that uh, could be surprising is the fact that depending on who I'm running for and what campaign I'm running, it's going to be drastically different. Even, even the system will affect what that percentage is. So something like uh, fate, the fate system, which is very narrative, for me, because it's the story, I tend to go more railroady. So in the game, the, the Blood and Betrayal game we have uh, with you as a player, Matt, I would say my game is 85 90% railroad. Mm -hmm. Um, where with my brother, I'm running in Warhammer 4th Edition, and he really likes to manage resources. He really likes that kind of stuff. And he likes the verisimilitude, and so for, it's a lot more sandboxy. 
I would say um, probably I'm more at the, it's probably, I don't know, 70 to 80% sandbox. So on the other side of the scale. And, and so, what would you say your preference is? Like when, when you are running a game, what do you enjoy doing more and why? I prefer Railroad uh, because um, I feel like I have more, I guess, control over the story. Control is not the right world. I, I'm more excited to see what the players do because I'm the one who's setting up the challenges. I, th I think that's, that's what it is. And it it feels more like a, a nice story that I'm like I'm watching TV and the acts are con like there's Act One, Act Two, Act Three and stuff like that. Where the sandbox, I feel like I'm more there just to be the referee and not as much part of the story, which is kind of weird for the game master to say. But, mm -hmm. And what what do you think? What 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 are your styles and preferences? I. I think as a player and game master, I, I have the same kind of preference. I prefer the game to be more narrative-driven and therefore lean towards Railroad. Uh, as a player, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for the game to be directed in a way that creates the most drama and the best narrative. So to me, if that means that the game master helps push us along in a certain direction, I'm I'm fine with that. If anything, I would prefer that to being tossed into a into a completely open sandbox. Uh, I mean, sometimes it's nice to be thrown into a sandbox and to be given the opportunity to pick the direction or the part of the sandbox you want to play in, and then resume in the in the railroading. If that makes any sense. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it does a lot, and I think it's it's good that that's a good advice. Actually, the fact that as a game master, you are not tied to one style. Like mm -hmm. I would say, the mm -hmm. first campaign of Blood and Betrayal was very railroady, and the, now we're more in a a little bit more sandboxy. Now that there's a, there's a lot of doors that have opened, the players decide where they go. Um, so I like I like what you said right there. Yeah, yeah, and and as a game master, I. I like to give the illusion that mm -hmm. it's a sandbox. Uh, and honestly, I, I think I like making small sandboxes. So it's still railroaded. But when you guys arrive at a destination, or when you guys uh, make go into the tavern, I picture the tavern as like a little sandbox and there's all kinds of things for you guys to mess around with. And then depending on the types of things that you mess around with in the tavern, it'll educate, it'll educate my, my, how, how I build the next small sandbox. So it's almost like a whole bunch of small sandboxes connected by rails. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or, or like, like, you know, these decision points where you guys, break off and go in a certain direction if that makes yeah makes sense. yeah for me i i see it more as the opposite which is kind of funny you you said like i have sandboxes that are linked by railroad for me it's more like a bunch of railroads that are connected by decision making which is kind of like the sandbox part where you where at any moment the, the characters can go off the rails and then it creates a new rail to have to adjust for. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But but I have an idea of a rail, and, and the players could 
stay on that rail as long as they want and just go basically on autopilot and I give it directions. But if you want to go total left, total right, then my role is as a, if I want to be a good game master, I don't want to say no, stay on the rail. Yeah, because that's, yeah. that's, that's the thing, even in the division, and the definition is sacrificing player agency to push the party through uh, their own desired narrative. That's not what I want to do, but I want to give direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's important. And, and I think that's part of the reason why often when we talk about railroad, people get all hush-hush. They, they, they think calling a game railroaded is like a bad word, you know? And and I, I think it's about time that we try to break that, uh, I don't want to call it a stigma, but but like it, I, I don't think we should be afraid to call something that's narrative-driven railroaded. Something can still be railroaded to a certain degree without sacrificing player agency, right? If the players decide to go in a direction, you can help them in that direction by guiding them towards that the direction they want uh it's still sort of railroaded but anyway anyway i, I think to boil down what my preferences are i i like railroad with a touch of sandbox as well mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah i think i think just to be clear what we're saying by railroad is like you can give the direction but you don't necessarily give the how and that's i think it goes back to what you said with like those little sandbox linked by railroad it's, it's like okay I'm bringing you to that sandbox, but I'm not telling you how to deal with that that thing you have to deal with. The yeah, how yeah. is the player's agency, so you don't want to remove that. So I, I've been thinking a lot about this lately, and running those two games really kind of showed me how this railroad versus sandbox is not really the discussion. It's not really what we want to talk about we want to talk about player agency right railroad is no player agency and sandbox is just player agency but i think there's this balance that the game master brings that is the game master agency should be part of it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so so i mean you, you touched a little bit about your experiences with this chris playing different games do you want to elaborate a little bit more on that how, you know, you have these two different groups and and how one of them is the opposite of the other and... and... Yeah, and, and, and I've learned a lot, especially on Sandbox. So, so we I started game mastering a lot, like more intensely, um, I want to say three or four years ago, uh, and it was railroady. Like the first mission, and I, I, I can throw that here, I think the, the first game should be as railroady as you want to give direction so that the first game is fun and has direction. But I, I did that and then I did a whole campaign with a big bad evil guy and it was really, I wanted to have a story at the end. And that was the Blood and Betrayal campaign. Um, where when I came with my brother, my brother, the way he runs, I, I, I thought he wanted a sandbox game and we played a sandbox game for like a year. And at the end, the conclusion was like, they did not, feel like they had enough directions. So I was victim of that discussion, like dichotomy of railroad versus sandbox where sandbox was better. And I tried to do it and not give direction to my players to give them the freedom, quote unquote, 
-hmm. And I think that's the problem. So I would say this freedom is not given by not giving direction. It's given again by the agency. And for my for my players to come to me and be like, give us more direction, it really showed me this weakness in, in a sandbox. Have you ever experienced that in any of your game as a game master or as a player? I mean, not not to not to that explicitly. I I've I've experienced a little bit of confusion. I've I've noticed it, it tends to come with especially with newer players because they they come into the game and if you just throw them into an environment without direction, they tend to spend a lot of their time just trying to figure out what to do, right? Mm -hmm. just, just trying to determine where they want to go. And as soon as you give them a little hook, even if it's the most stereotypical thing, they'll latch onto that. And it, it, it just kind of showcases to me that although a lot of people claim that they want a pure sandbox, it's not what they want. They, like you said, Chris, they want to be able to make their own decisions. They want that. They want their choices to have an impact on the game. But that doesn't mean that they want a sandbox. No. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of been my experience. I, I actually, I tried to do this in a very micro environment once. I, I made a, a game. It was like a Groundhog style game, Groundhog Day style game and you you were part of it chris and for for mm -hmm. listeners what it was was i based it almost exactly on majora's mask the, the zelda game where there's a three-day cycle and there's all of these characters and all the characters have motivations and aspirations and there's there's all these secrets and things for the the players to to explore and and figure out and i pictured this little village that i built to be a, a big sandbox and very in, in a very pure sense where you you couldn't leave the town like that was where the sandbox ended the game took place in the town and you guys had your three days and you could explore around and then you could rewind time to go back to the first day and and i felt like you know the first couple of times when you guys played and rewound time you didn't get a whole lot done and that was because you were you were still trying to figure out what was in the sandbox. You were you were figuring out what your direction was going to be, and then after that, once you had determined it, it I think it got a lot better. But um, that was my experience with with sandbox. I, I still think I I helped you guys along, so that was probably yeah. the most sandbox I I had gotten. But it, it still by no by no means was uh, purely a sandbox game. Yeah, though, like you said, this this limitation of staying in the village is definitely like so any game that has a sandbox that is a sandbox probably has a limitation, or at least probably should. Um, but I think also in that situation you're talking about, you had I think you had a plot still. Like even though it was not happening to us, this situation was there was something to be resolved. Um, so we had to find those like dungeons, go through them and retrieve something. And at the end, once we retrieve all of them, we can have the final encounter. Um, so there was still a plot, but I see what you mean in the terms that it was multi-directional. It was not 
you didn't know what angle we would take, mm -hmm. like at all. Uh, so yeah, and it was kind of a mix of the both. And and I think that's that's what we're saying is it should always be this combined version of it. And and we talked about it a little bit me and uh, in Matt before this, and we tried to find like a an imagery for you guys to think of when we're finding this perfect, maybe not perfect, but this close to perfect balance of railroad versus sandbox. And we came up with the term uh, branching. Maybe do you want to talk about it uh, a little bit, Matt? Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess the, the way I picture branching, Chris, and, and, and from our conversation, th this branching, really, I'm, I'm picturing a, a big tree. You know, it's planted in the sandbox that we're, that our players are playing in. And when they get to the bottom of the trunk and they decide that they want to climb to the top of the tree to solve the problem or defeat the villain or, or what have you, they embark forward and the, the game master has to railroad a little bit. You know, this is the, the start of, a, of an arc. They need to make sure that the players have the information needed to make sense of what to do next. So. You start in the, the, the bottom of the tree and, and it's working your way up. And as you work your way up, the, the player gets to decide which direction they take based on their own agency and based on the information that the game master is providing. So the game master kind of gets to manipulate the branches that are in front of the player. That the like There could be three, there could be 10, there could be 50, but the game master gets to kind of plant those those, those, I guess, planting the branches is a, is, is probably the, not the best, uh, the best explanation. But you've got these these choices to make, and you head towards a direction, and you work your way to the top of the tree, which is ultimately the resolution of that uh, that arc, for instance. I'm not sure if you yeah, have really, anything to add, Chris. But I mean, I mean, I think, I think, if you, if the, as a listener, if you think of your campaign, you can think of certain moments in the game where making a different decision would create a whole different story well those are those branching moments those branches that you, you you decide where the story goes as players but i think between those the game master has to keep bringing the story forward in a direction that brings it to the top of the tree so there's definitely segments and and, and those are called I want to say adventures, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, so those adventures, and, and that's usually, we talked about, we had an episode uh, on um, do your player trust you, right? And, and I think it was a, a good episode and I encourage you to go and, uh, and listen to it. And it's, it was about, one of them was like after the end of the game to ask your players, what are you going to do next? And the perfect moment to ask that is when as the game master, you don't know. Right? You want to prep something for the next game, but you want the players to tell you what you need to prep at a certain extent, like the, the basic of what they're trying to do. And those are those branching moments where they say, okay, I want to go to the town, do this thing. It's like, okay, now that I want to, they made a choice, they created a new branch, I'm going to create that branch until that new branching point. That makes mm -hmm. sense, mm -hmm. right? I, I like that, that you say that. Uh, Chris, that's really, they tell you which branch to create. So I, I think it's it's an important note to make here. We're not saying build the whole, the whole tree 
and nothing but the tree is the truth. If the players find themselves in a situation along a branch that you've planned out and they make a decision that you could have never predicted, maybe you need to build a new branching point that wasn't there in the, like, you know, wasn't there originally. And that's okay. That's, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not explaining this very well, but I don't know if Chris, if you can uh, read my mind and, and say what I'm trying <laughs> to say. <laughs> yeah, I, th I, th I think, I think uh, what you're trying to say is that you might have an idea of the main, the main branches. So let's say you have the trunk and then it splits and I don't know, five branches. So that's like the five possibility you have, like a general idea maybe. But then the players surprise you by your, doing a crazy scheme or uh, inventing, like meeting a new NPC and making it part of the quest. And then it's like, that's interesting. Then you invent new branches. You, they, they tell you what kind of branch they want. And then you, you create a, a new path to get to the endpoint. And maybe your endpoint will change. Um, maybe any kind of treachery by the, the players or any kind of surprising thing should create a new branch. You shouldn't just be like, well, that doesn't work with my story, so I'm going to like horse shoe in, like I'm going to force it to, to make it sense, to, to make it, uh, to make sense, sorry. Um, so that's when you need a new branch. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Th thanks, Chris. <laughs> I don't know if that helped, but yeah. Um, it was, so I, another another thing that I, I think could be interesting for us to talk about here, Chris, is this idea of where does a simulation fit into all of this? Uh, when we've talked about this in the past, and when I look at other conversations about uh, you know the debate between railroad versus sandbox, often people mention the idea of having a simulation, you know, having a very almost uh, robotic or, or logic-based simulation system that helps the sandbox thrive as a sandbox. And I, and I was wondering what your thoughts were on that. You know, is a sandbox isomorphic to a simulation? Are they the same? Are they synonymous to one another? Or do they do they simply work well together, and that's why the two terms tend to um, be uh, maybe confused? Yeah, um, from what I think, um, I, I think they are closely related. Actually, I think if you want to give the perfect illusion of not making a decision as a game master, I think it's about again game master agency. Uh, if you want to show, like, if you want to create a game that it looks like you're not making any decision, i.e. a simulation, a sandbox is a great, great way to do it. Uh, does that mean that you're simulating real life by doing this randomness? I'm not sure. And I think you, Matt, has a, have a, an opinion on this that I think it's, it applies here. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I mean, it's 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 interesting because oftentimes when you think of simulations, I, I like to picture a board game, right? A, a lot of times, really intricate board games have 
interesting simulation mechanics for for resource management or for like war even like combat type scenarios and and these these simulations are meant to be exploited by players or maybe not meant to be but but can be exploited by players uh you know you think of risk you think of some of these really old war games um now when you think of those simulations is it really simulating real life if you know that you can manipulate it or or, or optimize it um you know in, in real life how how much control do you really have over over these kinds of things i i don't know it, it's i'm not saying whether or not they're good or bad but i, I think this argument to say that having a simulated system for resource management or some kind of economy within your game doesn't necessarily make it more lifelike it might make it more random uh it might make it it it, it certainly takes away the game master's ability to manipulate it in that sense like the control over it but does it really simulate real life and i mean we're not really even in a real life we're, we're in, often in some kind of fantasy world right um so it yeah it just just food for thought about about all of that i don't i don't know if i'm making any kind of coherent sense but uh <laughs> yeah that's kind of where my brain goes because because i see the argument like yeah a simulation is good because it makes it very realistic but I, i'm not sure it's it is it's different it, it's definitely less controlled but and more random but the players can can try to optimize it could try to manipulate that system and, and find loopholes within it and to me that it's a game within itself no doubt but is it a true representation of of, of you know verisimilitude or, or real life I, that 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 begs the question to me yeah I, in, in my brother's game i my brother's really like, he really enjoys that kind of stuff he really he basically asked me for season two to do a system with points and like oh i'm dealing with the city and there's corruption so i have like a score for corruption a score for public order a score for their religion and stuff like that and i and i've built that uh because i know he enjoys it but he enjoys resource management board games he really thrives he likes to see the score and he likes to influence it and for it to have randomness so i will give that to him but also i want to have a little bit of agency over the, the the story so what i'm gonna do is there are also going to be points in the story where events that i control happen maybe a beastman invasion maybe there's going to be a famine maybe so the challenges on this resource management game mm -hmm is going to be controlled by me. Could I make a random table and roll on it to see what happens? Yes. Will I? Maybe. I don't know. But those events are what makes it interesting. And then it's, again, am I controlling it or not? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. that's kind of what D&D is, right? When you think of D&D, some people see it as a resource management. How many spell slots do I have at, at this time of the day? What will I face later? Should I do a fifth level spell right now or should I keep it for later? 
is it going to be important? And my, I'm potions, like I'm managing resources. So if you want to have a system for that to simulate either your, I don't know, like the, the management of a city or the events that happen, the political landscape, it's, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, something too, Chris, that I think is interesting to bring up here is not, not interesting. Something I'd like to ask you rather is how, how do you feel having these kinds of simulation systems in place affect your ability as a game master to create an interesting narrative? Do, do you think it hinders it or does it inspire you? Um, I have my opinion, but I'd like to know what yours is. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good question. And, and there's definitely an effect there. It's, um, so, so what happens, I find that it's when I run something that is a simulation, so a bit more sandboxy with those, well, let's go with those point system I'm talking about. Um, I lose the control over the story a little bit more. I could fudge dice, I could fudge the numbers or whatever, but then what's the point, right? But then I'm kind of stuck with what happens. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the curse. But the boon is that it might create something I would not think of. It usually, I, th- I think I'm a decent storyteller. So I think I could probably find something more interesting to do if I had more control. But for someone who just wants to explore and see what happens, I think it also depends if you want to be the game master. What I really enjoy as a game master is setting up something to happen and then be, su- be happy if it happens. It's a good story. And then be surprised. If I'm surprised, I'm going to be happy anyway. Mm-hmm. With mm-hmm. that approach, the problem I have is that I'm always in the present. I don't see what's going to happen. So I don't have the excitement of like, oh, is it actually what's going to happen? Or am I going to be surprised? I'm just, I'm a lot more passive. And it really reflects in my prep too, where I feel like in your game, the, the, the Blood and Betrayal game, the more railroady game, I have to plan between every game. I have to plan a lot because it is those branches we're talking about, those, those segments of, of the tree, I need to plan because I, it was not ready. Where in that simulation thing, I can almost improvise a lot more because there's no way I'm going to plan anything because yeah, you're always just you just have to rely on rolling the die and seeing what comes up and yeah, and some people like that. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I think by the virtue of me asking the question, it kind of says how I feel. But I, I personally think that yeah, the, the simulation takes away takes away the game master's control to to make it and craft an interesting story. So if the, if you as a game master value that, or if you as a player value that, maybe don't go into a game expecting a full sandbox or demanding a sandbox, you know, if, if you want more narrative. Uh, something else that I find interesting that these simulations can do is that they kind of take away a little bit of the freedom the game master has to go back into the past. Uh, you know, sometimes when you're creating the backstory of a character, a, a game master does the same thing for their NPCs or for factions or for events in the world. And, and sometimes myself, when I, when I do that and I make events happen, I leave 
I leave some things blank because I haven't had the time to think of it or because I think, oh, you know, the players right now aren't going to really come into contact with this. I just need to know the piece that intersects with what they're doing. Um, and, it, and as long as I can make sense of it after in a coherent and realistic way, I'll do that later if it comes up. With these simulations, I feel like you lose that freedom as a game master to, to kind of, I don't want to say backtrack because it's not backtracking, but it's, it's filling in gaps to be coherent and make sense when the players interact with them. Does that make sense, Chris? Yeah, and it's, it's about often when we do this, it's to bring forward, like to link the player to the plot that's happening. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, there's a villain. Oh, it's related to that guy backstory. Um, and, and it goes the other way. You can have a backstory and then you mind it for plot hooks, right? It's, it, it's the chicken and the egg. But had, like what you're saying is that in a more railroady or I get plot driven, those gaps can really, it, it's easy to go back in the, in the past, see a gap and then fill it so that it fits with the plot you're trying to, to set. Right? That, I think that's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, ex exactly. It's, it's kind of like if we go back to our branch analogy, you, you know, you can define to the players where their branch that they're going intersects with maybe another branch that is coming to couple with theirs or something. But, but you don't need to know everything behind it. Because it, if for the sake of the story, for the sake of the, the, the narrative, you've made this other branch come in and collide with theirs to make something fun happen. But if you're running this fully by simulation and you're rolling every time, you're, you're, you're predetermining everything that, that happens. So you don't have that freedom as a game master to go back and, and make those changes or, or fill in those blanks. Um, and, and I know some of you listening might say like, oh, but, but you know, that doesn't make sense. The game master shouldn't go back and fill things in. Like what if they, they do it and like it screws us over or whatever. I, I think a, an important element in all of this is the trust that the players and the game master have to have with, to, to, towards one another. When I do that and I fill in a blank, I'm, I'm doing it as best in my ability to build a fun and comprehensive and realistic game, I'm not doing it to screw over my players. And, and I think that they know that. Yeah, and often it's going to be done together, right? It's mm -hmm. like, like, for instance, right now in the Blood and Betrayal game, there's something coming up with Otis's backstory, but it was not fleshed out enough. So between games, I would we would come up together with those holes so it fits with what i have in mind as a game master for the future and what he has in mind for his character motivation and objectives and stuff like that so it you can like you said as a game master you could also like spring things on your players and that is totally your prerogative but you have to have the trust of your players to do that so trust is is a is a factor there and maybe if the players don't trust you to do that having this simulation sandbox where you're kind of like not controlling anything in terms of the plot could could be a solution but if, if you don't have the trust of your players not sure you should be the game master 
Yeah, like that's an interesting perspective, Chris. <laughs> I, well, I, I, I mean, if you lost the, the trust, yeah, right? If, yeah. if you have to gain it, we we play it. We talked about that in the in the past. Maybe you like when I started playing with my brother, I didn't have like the my my his his friend had came to the game with a lot of baggage of having past game master really like used any information they had on the players plans to stop them mm -hmm. that's not what i'm gonna do right so so again that's that's another part of the railroad or like story plot driven if you use the information you get to to hinder the players then it might not be a good way to use that something i i maybe want to like talk about is and that came up while talking with my brother uh coming talk, talking back to the sandbox because because we did the season one in his game and it was all sandboxy uh, and and i i think i did it right but the players wanted more direction so at the end i would say like three games before the end we had the discussion and i told them you should tell me more like your plans and they did not realize that knowing their plans would i would create a direction Without knowing it, I have to keep it sandbox. I have to prepare for everything, and so it, it the trust is really related there. Where if I have information, I can build those those branches. Mm -hmm. If I don't, I have to keep it sandboxy, right? And what would happen is that they would spend time just going left and right, and I would have like I have the whole city. I have almost like i don't know a hundred npcs prepared like not fleshed out at all but like just okay that location has that person that location has that person so they would spend like let's say they we played for three hours they would go one place meet someone that person might have a plot hook and they were like ah not really interesting we'd go to someone else another person another plot hook. and then they would finish and be like oh my god there's too many people there's mm -hmm. too many plot hook we right and and this sharing this trust of telling me like just pick a direction and we'll go towards that together. And that's what we did at the end. And that what's like, it allowed me to have an epic finish to do this real little railroad in the last three games. And in the last three games, we got more story out of it than in the previous 10, right? It, because it had the direction. You know what I might, I, I, the more I think of it, because I know I know you're in this group, your friends, your brother and his friends really like these simulations and, and things like that. But the the more we talk about it, Chris, the more I wonder, I don't think simulation, like you could have a fully sandbox game with simulation. But I wonder if you could have a very railroaded game also with simulation. Like, I, I don't think it's impossible. I I'm I. Because if, if you're, you know, you're giving clear, your, your players direction, you're going towards a certain way, and then you, you have your little simulation table to decide certain elements or certain events happening in the town or whatever, and you, and you roll on it, and it gives you this curveball that completely botches the, 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 the railroad that you were trying to help your players go on and, and follow. But then you, you start to go on another branch instead as a result of it. And you help push the players in that direction as well. I, I'm. That's that's actually what I'm doing right now. It's like so. If I go a little bit more in detail, 
I have tables, so it's going to be like a month, and I'm going to roll die to see what happens to the different numbers of criminality and public order and stuff like that. And they'll have resources to basically they, they can use it to buy more food, so increase public order. And you can you can use it to uh, hire spies. And how much money they put in something will show the impact. So one of them is the, the spy. If they put a little, they might just get what the number is on a specific column. Mm -hmm. So that's how they can actually get information of what's going on. If they put a little bit more, they not only get that the corruption is seven, but they get that it's actually a, a criminal underground clan and they learned the, the name of the clan. And if they put a little bit more, they get a plot, a plot hook out of it. And following that plot hook is the railroady part, right? Is, is the adventure. So what I'm going to do is the month is going to be the simulation. But when we actually sit down, they're going to tell me this month we're actually trying to deal with that criminal underground. And then I'm going to create an adventure. And that's going to be that branch. So the, the, the branching moment will happen because of the simulation. So that's a good fix for if you have players that tend to not make decisions. Mm -hmm. It just happens. But what I'm getting at, Chris, is I wonder if this game is more uh, railroaded than you think. Like, yes, your simulation is deciding where the rails end up based on, you know, the probabilities of the you know the resources that the players pump into different pieces of it, but I, I I'm just thinking out loud. But like, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm making sense, and and I don't know all the context either. So stop me if I'm if I'm completely <laughs> well, wrong. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I I mean, when I think of railroad, I think of like I have an idea of where it's going to end up if the players don't act and I, I and i have a good idea of where they could act in that situation with the simulation i have no idea even how it's gonna act out if they don't do anything because i'm gonna roll dice to figure it out yeah yeah as we go so so for me that's why it's it's far from something like it's not plot driven at all because I don't know, I don't, I don't know what the story is yet. I don't know what the plot is. There's no plot. There's just a situation. There's yeah, a sandbox. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I, I was maybe I was off, um, but but I suppose it could be interesting to, to to see what these kinds of simulation processes could generate in a smaller scale in a very narrative driven game, right? Like you could have um, micro simulations for a number of different activities that don't necessarily have this like huge, huge, huge scope. So it's not going to be like the overall happiness of an entire city, but it could be something like how successful your band of bandits were this month and if they made money or not. Mm -hmm. It, it yeah, could, kind of like um, downtime management, like a resource game in the downtime. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, what I'm trying to get at is, and I don't know if I'm doing a good job at it, but simulations, I think, can live 
anywhere on the spectrum of railroad and sandbox. It's just how big the simulation is, how much impact you give the simulation over the narrative that you're you're telling is what's going to dictate a little bit it's going to move the slider if you will towards mm -hmm. railroad or to or, or towards sandbox no i think i think you're right in the sense that you can do railroad you can do a plot driven story with simulation and i think the the, the thing that is going to be the simulation is going to be the game master reacting to what happens. So if you betray someone as the game master, if you bring it, like the, this villain come back to, to get vengeance on it, I mean, it's still simulating what would happen, mm -hmm. but it's still plot driven, where, where I think what I'm talking about is having a resource management game, which is not really, it's not isomorphic to having a simulation. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, I also have a hot take about all this. Um, I think that tabletop RPGs are not the best for resource management. I, yes, you're right, Chris. There's there's some elements of the game that are resource management: spell slots, potions, HP, that kind of stuff. But I think personally, what a tabletop RPG does best is it allows for a collaborative, creative space for people to make an interesting story. If I'm me, Matteo, Matt, and I'm after something that's more of a resource management, there's so many video games that do it better, I think. There's so many, you know, you can go play faster than light on your PC. It's a cheap little indie game where you have to manage your spaceship and make sure it doesn't explode from aliens attacking and you're pumping gas in and you're shooting lasers and you're managing your shields. Like, that's fun. And the computer does a lot of the work for me. So I think that's where my aversion to resource management comes from, like within the context of, of tabletop role-playing games, is because I, I just feel like when they are added into a game, it removes the concentration from the things that I think are the, the core of what a role-playing game is. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. But I think I think it's. I was listening to you, and I was like, the, for me, the the thing where a role playing game, tabletop role playing game, is at its best. The reason why it's so good, it's because it's malleable, and it, it you can kind of make it what you want at a certain extent. Mm -hmm. But like, the same thing with okay, do I want to spend hours crafting? terrains for my game do i want to spend hours figuring out the calendars like what's important to you is what you're going to put in the game mm -hmm. so i personally am not a huge fan of resource management games so i agree with you that i much rather focus on the story mm -hmm. um but someone like like my brother run ran games for me for years and he would always always end up being a resource management game outside of the normal like the money that that I have I, I would be a a blue wizard and I would have a tower that I need to manage again and he would make great systems on excel sheets like many excel sheets but he he's an accountant okay? <laughs> well he, 
he's more than an accountant, but like his accountant side uh, really shows. And there's a bunch of spreadsheets. And if I affect, uh, if I invest in this, it's going to lower that other column. And it's it, it's pretty intense. And I was okay playing in that because, I mean, I it, it's fun. But does it remove the story? Yeah, probably. If I spend six months managing my tower, I, I'm, there's not a lot of plot hooks there, actually. Um, so I really think it it depends on what you want to do with it. It's, if your fun is to be a bunch of friends and play um, play a board game in a universe that you create, yeah, I guess it, that's what it is. But you're it's all about preference, right? And that's and I express that hot take as my preference. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, something too that actually, now that you talk about that, Chris, maybe it's a it's a parenthesis that I shouldn't make, but I'm gonna make it anyway. I was watching. I'm gonna try to find the YouTube video and link it in in the show notes. But it was basically they were talking about how when people play games, sometimes, and and in most cases, the player of the game will try to get the best case scenario out of the game despite what they consider to be fun yeah so it, it and it was it was talking mostly in the video game this this youtube video was talking mostly in the video game context right like uh they they i think they used xcom the, the video game xcom which is a tactical uh grid-based game where you move units and <laughs> if the player is given the opportunity to sit in the back behind cover and snipe other enemies and never move and just like camp out in one spot and like waste their time and use all their turns just to like do nothing and then wait for the enemies to kind of like move around until they're within their sights and then they shoot them. They're going to do that because that's the, in theory, the optimal way Like you're going to, you're going to suffer the least casualties. You're gonna not uh, waste up ammunition, et cetera, et cetera. And it, I think the same logic for me can be applied in some of these circumstances, right? If you set up simulations for your players to manipulate, or or you know they can try to optimize, I would be careful when you develop those simulations. And this is kind of for everybody listening to make sure that it's not. It's actually what the players want to be doing because if if not, you might find yourself in a scenario where players will try to optimize that because that's what humans are built to do at the expense of their own fun in the game. Um, I'm not sure if you have any thoughts on that, Chris. I mean, that made me think of if I bring it back to like the sandbox and the railroad, I think it's also a problem with the sandbox there where if I, I take your example of like players wanting to have of out of all the options, taking the optimal path, the problem with, again, the sandbox is that is that if you have players like that, um, they will try to get all the information before making a decision. So instead of, instead of, committing to something because you don't push the story with either a time constraint or a specific event that triggers the next branch. Um, you're stuck with just exploring, exploring, exploring 
and never actually acting and moving forward. And that's kind of what happened in, in my game um, a little bit, no, maybe not to that extent. And it kind of echoes what you're saying, maybe in a different way, but like the fact that not playing optimally is not necessarily the, the more fun, mm-hmm. for sure. All right, so um, I had a couple of other things that I wanted to talk about, Chris, and we could try to maybe be a little bit quicker here because we're we're running a little long, but I don't think it doesn't totally matter, but let's try to be a little concise. Um, I, I wondered, Chris, if you wanted to talk a little bit about if if you know if someone came up to us and asked us, someone listening said, hey, I want to run a game that's very sandbox, for instance, or, or very... Um, very open-ended. What kind of advice would you give that person? I think I would say, I mean, if someone asked me for my advice and it's the, like one of the first games they, they, they're creating, I would say, don't, I would literally say, don't do that. (laughs) I would say, figure out a plot, figure out something and then adjust to it. And that's the fun of it. Don't try to come up with a sandbox. It's too big. You're gonna have to come up with too many things. You're gonna freak out. Just, I would just don't do it. <laughs> if if it's someone who like game mastered for years, or maybe not years, but like for a while, and they did do a rail, a lot of railroad, then they would say, "I want to go towards sandboxing." Then maybe I would say. I would give some tricks and and my trick would be just go gradually, just go, don't try to just go full sandbox, just go gradually by giving less and less directions. And one, the, once the players are looking at each other at the table and they spend too much time looking at each other and be like, so what do we do next? And it kind of happened in my game, even in, in the game I'm game mastering for, for you and our friends, Matt, where sometimes people would look at, like, okay, well, we don't have directions right now. What are we doing? If it takes more than five to 10 minutes, then you need to go back to giving directions, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't think about it beforehand, but I think that's where I am right now. Yeah. What, what would you say, Matt, when someone? Um, I, I mean, I like the way you, you phrased it. If it's your first time game mastering, just don't do it. Um, I, I think what I would maybe say, just to be a little different, because I do, I, I, I echo that sentiment for new game masters, but but I also think try running the sandbox if you really really have to in a smaller environment. You know, mm-hmm. make the sandbox something like an island, and the players arrive at the island and for whatever reason they're trapped on it. And, and you know, make this try to make the sandbox more manageable by making it a smaller environment for you to have to develop. Because like you said, Chris, otherwise you're just gonna, you're gonna get overwhelmed. Um, yeah, I like that because it's like, you, you still need constraint, but if you're, you're like, you want a lot of directions, if you wanna be multidimensional, you at least need borders, boundaries to this, to what you're exploring. Might be not on a line, but you, you need to, have boundaries so yeah that's that's a good that's a good tip um and then other other than that i would maybe say other than words of warning i I guess 
try to incorporate other elements. A, a sandbox game could be fun if you're playing in a more, uh, in maybe a West Marshes style of game. For those of you that don't know what that is, you can uh, maybe link up a description down below. But it's, it's effectively a game where players have a, a base and they come to the game master with their own quests. So they'll say, mm -hmm. oh, I want to go explore the goblin cave that we saw on the bulletin board. And then the game master would then uh, kind of develop that outline. But it's, it even even a West Marshes game, I think, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, it feels more like one of these branching type of games where it's it's not fully sandboxed. But um, that's just Yeah, I, th I think so too. I think it might actually be like, it's 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 not as connected maybe as the branches that are actually represent plots. It's just a bunch of little <laughs> little stories, right? They they might not even be connected. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe they are, and then you're right. It becomes this this branching thing. And it's funny, like when you ask when you ask the question, like someone comes to you and says, "I want to run a sandbox game." What should I do? But if someone comes to you and says, "I want to run a railroad game," what should I do? And it's it's funny just to hear that question. Yeah, it is because I don't think I would ever hear someone say that. It's it's and it ties down to this uh, negative connotation that the, the term railroad has. But I think we want to break that. It's it's okay to have a narrative driven game. It's okay to to have a game that has more direction to it. I think the advice we would give is make sure that you don't sacrifice player agency for the sake of your story. Allow the player's agency to feed the story and you can still push them in the direction of your narrative. It, it's just allowing their choices to still have an impact on the outcomes and the, the things that they interact with to get to that end goal. Yeah, and there's there's a couple of things I want to say really quickly. Um, if you watch Critical Role, I mean, this is not a sandbox game. He, Matt Mercer, has clear intent of story arcs from the beginning. He set up seeds. He built them up. Do the players have agency? For sure, right? So if you're a fan of Critical Role, just want to mention that here that it is a plot-driven and background-driven, like the background of the players are really connected, especially in the first campaign. The second campaign, and that's kind of like the difference between these two campaigns, the first one was really plot-driven, a lot more railroady. His players were not as experimented, uh, experienced, sorry. Where the, the second one is a lot more sandboxy with the war going on, and they are making the decision on how they're gonna affect this world. So, this is going to change drastically the, the 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 type of the game you're you're playing. And the other thing I want to mention here is, uh, it another factor to take into account is how often do you play? Because mm -hmm. if you want to play a sandbox game that has a underlying plot, like by that I mean some kind of intrigue with a lot of players, uh, a lot of uh, NPCs in the story that relate to each other, and there's a big conspiracy or whatever, you better play often because it's going to be complicated for the players to keep track of that. I felt that in my player's game, I mean, my brother's game, when we were playing once a month, 
it was not often enough for the players to get all the threads that were linking everything together. Mm-hmm. So in, in the traction, case, right? Like, it, it, yeah, it just doesn't pick up traction fast enough. Yeah, in that case, you need to give direction if you're not going to play often. If you play every week, then it might be easier for them to to follow the story. Yeah, so I mean, I I think we could probably talk about uh, about railroad and sandbox and all of this for for probably forever, and that's probably why this conversation has been so prolific in the in the tabletop RPG community is that there's just so much to say about it. Um, but we probably want to close out the show, so before we do that, uh, let's maybe do a quick recap of of what we talked about today. So we we gave you guys quick definitions about what railroad and sandbox meant. Um, We took it from ThinkDM, where he says that railroading is a pejorative term that insinuates the DM sacrifices player agency to push the party through their own desired narrative. And the sandbox, again from ThinkDM, is a game where the story is hostage to the unchecked whims of the player characters. And we we tried to give it nuance by explaining that these are extremes and there's a spectrum there and you want to find your your comfort zone but the main thing is keeping that player agency and not not blocking it and if giving it still be able to give it direction so that it's fun and that's when we talk about those brand that that branching idea of having uh moments in the story where the players really can affect what's going to happen while still having it like you as a game master giving it direction yeah and then we we talked a little bit about how simulations fit into all of this um oftentimes it's ubiquitous to a sandbox game but we talked a little bit about how really they're tied together often but they're not mutually exclusive or they're not uh they're not synonymous rather they can be split apart um and we also talked about trust and how often when we are running a game that's more narrative driven it's important to have that layer of trust between game master and player and once you've established that it gives the game master more freedom to make changes to the game world without necessarily worrying too much about um, using simulations and then we talk about all, all all along this discussion we talk about different factors that kind of affects this uh this decision affects prep time it affects uh maybe taking into consideration how often you play uh your experience level the experience level of your players also um there's a lot there to to be said so i would say start simple start with a good plot give player agency and you'll be fine so with with all that said and done i think it's uh, time for us to link up our, our socials. So if you guys do want to reach out to us, you have comments or thoughts about what we said in today's episode, we'd encourage you to reach out to us. You can do so on Twitter. That's at role underscore play underscore chat. Or we have an email that's contactroleplaychat at gmail.com. And if you are interested in more punchy, short, and quick tip videos, we'd encourage you to reach out not reach out, to look for us on YouTube. That's Role Play Chat. And there we have all of our back catalog and we have a lot of short, quick tip videos that really summarize the takeaways. Um, And 
with all that said and done, I want to wish you a nice weekend, Chris. Talk to you later. You too, man. Let's call it a chat. <laughs>